0: You're listening to the D.E.T. 313 NFL Podcast with your host, Nick Donabedian. And here we go. Episode 6 of the D.E.T. 313 NFL Podcast. I am your host, Nick Donabedian. And uh, a lot to talk about this week. We obviously got to talk about the Lions, another gut-wrenching loss last week to the Minnesota Vikings. Final score there was Minnesota, 19, Detroit, 17. Um, We're also going to talk about, obviously, previewing this week's matchup against the Cincinnati Bengals, arguably one of the hotter teams in the entire league uh, as of right now, but got to talk about last Sunday. Um, Before we even get into the Lions game, uh, I have to be honest, I watched probably... Oh, less than maybe 10 snaps in real time of that game. Um, biggest reason being uh, the Chicago Marathon. Uh, Got to give my girlfriend, Laura, Huth a major shout out there. Um, what a cool weekend, man. And before we get into football, if you've never gone or either participated in terms of running in or even just going to cheer on people running in uh, a marathon, I highly recommend it. I've never done it before. Um, obviously I knew I was be doing it this year is with my girlfriend running in it, but um, what a cool event in the city. What a great energy. Um, there's something about uh, runners too, where it's, you know, we're all in this kind of together. doesn't matter, you know, when you finish. Um, if you're, you know, 21 years old, 60 something years old, doesn't matter. We're all in it together. And what a great weekend it was having uh, Laura's entire family in town. You know, the days leading up to the race was great. Just hanging out with everybody, enjoying each other's company, hyping Laura up, you know, getting her excited. Uh, and then, like I said, the day itself, a uh, beautiful day in Chicago. Um, amazing seeing her. Uh, just, again, 26.2 miles is not, not an easy run, to say the least. So, just a, amazing. <laughs> amazing accomplishment. Couldn't be more proud of her. Um, and honestly, would, you know, easily much rather cheer her on than even watch the Lions any, any day of the week. Not even, not even close. So, Um, Again, couldn't be more proud, but let's talk a little bit about some football, too. Um, 17 points by the Lions last week. Again, loss on another 50-plus yard field goal as time expired. Uh, It's the first time in NFL history that a team has lost two games in the same season on last-second field goals that were over 50 yards. Obviously, uh, Baltimore Tucker's 66-yarder was an NFL record. Then losing to Minnesota, I think it was a 54-yarder, I believe. Um, Just... Man, this team can't catch a break. Um, And, yes, we could put ourselves in better situations to, you know, secure these wins and win these games, but uh, just cannot catch a break. And uh, probably (laughs) take it for what you will, but the best 0-5 football team um, I've seen in the NFL in in quite a while. Uh, And Just the team's ability to fight, you know, stay determined, uh, not quit until the final whistle, until that clock really strikes zero in the fourth quarter, i um, proud of the effort. That's been consistent. And, and that's kind of what I'm going to look at with this game is talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly, um, as there's a little bit of, of all of those in terms of my takeaways after kind of listening to other people talk, doing a little bit more analysis in terms of watching highlights and just uh, breaking down some film after the after the fact. But So the good, like I said, this team is resilient. Um, they truly bought in in terms of just busting their tail, start to finish, uh, never giving up, And really, in particular, the defense has impressed me the last couple of weeks, uh, despite the injuries and despite the lack of talent that we've, of course, alluded to multiple times on the podcast. But, um, you know, this is a defense that lost its best pass pass rusher. I said rudder? She's like rowing a boat here or something. But lost our best pass rusher in Romeo Cora um, out for the season with injury. We lost Okuda, uh, arguably coming into the season, was looked at as our top QB prospect and starting quarterback. Um, not quarterback, cornerback. Jeez, I'm all over the place right now. Um, he's out for the season with injury. And then we chose to release our most proven linebacker and Jamie Collins. Uh to again, just wasn't a good fit. So, you know, we're, this team, like I said, lack of talent everywhere. But the last three weeks, this defense run by Aaron Glenn has only given up an average of 20.6 points per game. And and two of those games we held teams under 20 points. So for as bad as the season started, you know, against San Francisco, looks like it couldn't stop a nosebleed, you know, going to Green Bay, you know, constantly getting beat, constantly getting, you know, outplayed by that offense. Um, this defense is starting to come together a little bit. And, and I think that's something that if you're like me and understanding that, you know, it's not about 2021 for the Detroit Lions, it's about getting better for the future. Um, definitely some positives from from the defense. And, I, and I'm excited about it. And, and a big stat to me that I think is telling in terms of, Again, something we should be happy about when it comes to this team is we're top five right now statistically in terms of our third down defense, and that's looking at the entire National Football League. Um, and If you can get stops on third down, that's how you get off the field. Now, we might not get enough stops on first, second, and you know, we could talk about our fourth down woes as well, especially late in games, but um, the fact that we're playing this well at third down and the fact that we've been, you know, improved uh, week over week, especially the last three weeks defensively, um, all good signs. So that's definitely a, a, a good thing, the heart bond. I want to give us some love to, again, that defense as a whole, but also Aaron Glenn, man. I mean, outside of Dan Campbell, who everyone knows you know, I have a man crush on right now, but Aaron Glenn is the other coach on this coaching staff that I, I absolutely love. Uh, I think it's with both of them, Dan Campbell and Aaron Glenn, it's just about giving both of them time to develop this team and giving them the right amount of talent and pieces around them. Uh, and then I think this thing was really got to take off. But Shout out to Aaron Glenn. Shout out to the defense. That's the good. Uh, again, also that resiliency we continue, continue to see from this team is, is always a good sign. Um, but let's get to the bad and the ugly. And, and the bad is, quite frankly, is we're just still winless. I mean, we're 0-5. That's the reality of the season right now. We're 0-5. And yes, we've been knocking on the door a couple of times and, and maybe could have had, you know, one to two wins by this point. But as they say, you are what your record is. And right now we're, we're winless. So that is bad. Um, And it's not expected, Um, I should say not unexpected, unexpected, grammar today everywhere, but um, I expected us to be 0-5, so I'm not surprised by this, and we're we're a bad team. Um, We're not ready to win uh, consistently yet, Uh, obviously we haven't won a game this year, Um, so yes, we're bad, we're 0-5, our record shows that, but uh, like I said, I'm not going to harp on it too much. People who are going to be bent out of shape about the Lions record right now need to understand the reality of the situation. And it's something I've been harping quite a bit since I started this podcast started talking to you you all about just this team and kind of my expectations for them. I mean, I thought they were going to go 0-5 to start the season. We've been underdogs in every game this season, so it shouldn't be a surprise that this is her record. Uh, it's disappointing that we had, you know, had a couple games go the other way when we could have pulled off a win, but um, still we're bad. Record's bad. Let's move on to the ugly. Uh, Jared Goff. Oh, Jared Goff. I feel like every weekend, um, or should I say week in terms of recording this podcast, uh, I've had to become more and more negative about Jared Goff. And, uh, the reason for that is because quite frankly, he gives me more reasons to be negative about him. Um, I think at this point, there's no disputing that Jared Goff is just not the answer, and his turnovers are a major problem. Um, I believe he leads the league in turnovers from a quarterback position. Uh, the small hands fumble thing—I kind of thought that was blown out of proportion, but it's become clear to me that no, like <laughs> it is a talking point and a valid talking point at this um, this part in the season, based on the turnovers that have consistently been happening. Um, and that's the thing that's that's hard for me to. I guess just accept, but its reality is, golf just continues to stall drives and turn the ball over at key parts. You know, the game, key areas in the field, and it's just killing this team. It's killing us. I mean, more times than not, I feel like the games we could have won this year are are losses that happen because we shot ourselves in the foot. Whether it's, you know, not being in the right position defensively on, on big plays where we need to get a, a stop or you know, more times than not, I feel like it's Jared Goff and the offense just not getting the job done, not converting on fourth down or turning the ball over, you know, when it's just not ideal to do so, you know, and it never is. But in big moments of the game, I feel like Goff consistently just falls short, um, whether it's not making a play or, or making a mistake. Um, and honestly, I think Sean McVay's a little bit of a jackass when it comes to his ego, but there's no denying he's a great coach. And I, I see why he wanted to move on from jared goff this offseason um goff just doesn't elevate teams he he doesn't you know he can manage a game uh and he can help you i guess you know not be a train wreck at the qb position per se but he doesn't elevate his teammates he doesn't win you games and if anything he kind of limits what your offense can do um get five games in and it's pretty clear that that's the case and I know he doesn't have a lot of talent around him especially at the wide receiver position but I mean the best quarterbacks can get away with whoever's on the field you know Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, these are guys who are obviously you know future hall of famers, legends in the game today. Um you never see them complaining too much when they don't have a lot of talent around them. They they typically make guys better, you know, help kind of establish careers for players who maybe were overlooked or who aren't as talented as kind of the top-tier players at those positions. So to me, there's two things that I've kind of taken away from Goff, especially with the fact that there's been legitimate conversations, this blows my mind, that the offense right now needs to be simplified for Jared Goff. Are you kidding me? We got to simplify the offense for Jared Goff? (laughs) And the two things I took away from that is, one, he's overrated. And he's always been overrated as a prospect. He should never have been considered probably for the first overall pick back in 2016. I mean, even at Cal, like, yeah, he he had, you know, some ability. He could see that. But Cal was terrible when he was there. And, and again, it's a lot of team around him recruiting, kind of similar situation than he is right now at the Lions. But never elevated anybody else really over at Cal. Um, was basically drafted number one, number one overall based off of his – potential at talent uh, even though it was kind of untapped uh, during his time at, at you know Cal Barkley um, but I don't know he overrated um, and honestly he's a bottom tier NFL starting quarterback it's just for everything I've said he just isn't a guy you can win with um, at least not consistently and, and <laughs> I even hate to say this, maybe this is me being too much of a, you know, downer on golf right now, but he might even be better suited to be one of the best backups in the league versus being a starter. Um I think this guy has a spot in the league. Again, he's not so bad where he's unserviceable. He can help you, you know, manage a game, but he he's just he's not not the answer. He's not. And I like the guy. That's again, I don't want to be, you know, just a downer on him. He's a really good person. <laughs> doesn't help us win football games, and, and that's kind of what you know. My main focus on is you know who can help us win football games here in Detroit. But you know, Jared Goff, to his credit, awesome dude, gives a lot of chair you know charitable uh, contributions both in L.A. here in Metro Detroit. I mean, great guy at heart, and I really want to see him succeed. But it's obvious to me he doesn't have what it takes. And is it time for the Lions to do something bold? I feel like we never do anything bold or never do anything noteworthy league-wide. And, you know, I was talking to Laura's uncle um, when he was in town this past weekend. uh, Again, watch her uh, run the marathon. But he and I were talking about something, and and we kind of read agreement. Should the Lions trade for Deshaun Watson? Think about it for a second. Now, there's a lot of question marks about Deshaun Watson, and a lot of question marks in particular about his character. Um, and rightfully so. I mean, obviously, it's public record in terms of all the uh, legal cases he's trying to maneuver his way through right now in terms of, um, I'm trying to think the best way to say this, incidents that happened at massage parlors with multiple women. Um, I think the count is over 20 women at this point. I don't know. I can't speak to what happened. I'm not here to go into the details of of his whole drama, his whole case uh, against them in terms of, you know, what's happening legally. But that is a reality, and you know, with that being the case, no one really knows you know what to expect with him and his future. You know, is it going to be derailed by these legal you know I guess issues that he's having, having to face right now? I don't know. You know, maybe he resolves them outside of court. Maybe he has to you know go through the whole legal process. I don't know how it's going to unfold. But the reality of it is, what looking at football is, he's a top five quarterback in the NFL. He is. Deshaun Watson is a top five quarterback in the entire league. He's talented in multiple ways. He's mobile. He can, he can, you know, make stuff happen with his feet. He has a cannon of an arm. He also is a guy who, you know, when he was at, in Houston and playing in Houston, he's still there, but he's not playing. I mean, he made his team better. He elevated his team. He made them consistently. You know, and O'Brien you know, was looking back as a terrible coach even though he had some success in Houston. I mean, the biggest factor for why O'Brien was at least somewhat successful was because he had a franchise quarterback who he could just lean on, and Deshaun Watson. And that's what Detroit needs. Jared Goff is not the answer. There, it, well, you're going to have to draft somebody or find a franchise quarterback in the next year or two. And there's one sitting there in Houston with a lot of baggage, but he's sitting there and he's available. And the thing is, the Lions are one of the rare teams who have plenty of draft capital to go get them. I mean, when we made the trade for Jared Goff, we got the two additional you know, first-round picks from the L.A. Rams. So right now, we have four first-round picks over the next two years. I bet you, have you offered maybe two of those first-round picks? Let's say you know we were talking to Houston, negotiating for Deshaun Watson. Hey, I'll give you the two L.A. Rams first-round picks and maybe another pick somewhere, you know, a third round or fourth or second down the road um, if you give us Deshaun Watson. And also take Jared Goff off her hands while you're at it. Is it worth the gamble? Again, a lot of baggage to, <laughs> to try to overcome there, but if other teams like Miami and Philly are truly in on still wanting to trade for Deshaun Watson, I think the Lions need to be in on that conversation too. The Lions... I've never made a bold move in my lifetime that I can, again, kind of recall. This would be one of the boldest moves probably in recent years in terms of going to get a guy like Deshaun Watson uh, with everything that's happening to him, you know, in his personal life. But I I would not be against it. (laughs) If you have a chance to go get talent and talent, you know, is going to help you win games in the NFL, that's proven. You know, that's just NFL football for you. Um, Go get them, Honestly go get them. Who cares if if you want to have a, you know, a picture perfect culture we don't have, you know, bad bad guys here in the locker room. That's not what we're about. I understand that to an extent. But more times than not, some of the best players in this league who have been successful and won their franchises, you know, big games and Super Bowls, weren't always the best guys. So just, as, you know, Putting it out there, trade deadline's coming up sometime in November, so we have a little bit more time. But I, I'm curious to see if Brad Holmes and if ownership will allow Brad Holmes to truly dig into a potential trade option for Deshaun Watson. Like I said, I'm all for it. <laughs> we have nothing to lose from it. We're the Lions. We always we always lose. And if this is a way to gamble and potentially have huge pay you know payoff in terms of wins coming down the road next year and into the future, do it. Go get them. But we will see. I, I'm predicting the Sean Watson this trade did before the trade deadline. Um, look, Like I said, Miami, Philly. But why not us? Why not? So that was the ugly. Jared Goff was the ugly. Uh, I know we just talked on to Sean Watson and how I, I'd be all in forgetting him. But the other thing, too, I mean, national news uh, as well. And, and whenever the Lions are national news, it's either a bad thing or, you know, can't be a good thing. Um, in this case, it was a good thing. Uh, I'm talking about Dan Campbell's emotional press conference after the loss to Minnesota. Um, I mean, he choked up. He was, he was legit tearing up and, you know, crying during that. And uh, to hear what you have to say, to hear why he was so emotional, um, talking about, you know, him seeing his players play as hard as they did and, and try to the very end and put them in a spot to win, you know, even converting on that uh, two-point conversion to take the lead with less than 40 seconds to go in the game. Um, and then for them to come up short like that with a fifty-something-yard field goal again, um, he was sad—not n- for himself. He was sad for his players. He's—he's he's all in, guys. You know, uh, Terry Foster, um, Detroit sports—you know—legend in terms of journalism. Uh, he's been on the Woodward Sports Show, and talk, you know, hearing him talk a little bit about something that. I want to echo is uh you know there's been a lot of coaches who will probably come to Detroit thinking you know what it's a head coaching job in the NFL if I can prove to everybody else that I can succeed here in Detroit it's gonna open up so many doors for me um and those guys you know again qualified for the job but maybe not all in on what it takes to win in Detroit I think again it's a pit stop for them or just a way to help boost their resume Dan Campbell's that's not Dan Campbell he's all-in on Detroit. He's all-in on this team. He, this is his dream job. And and that's <laughs> hard to find somebody where you know coaching the Detroit Lions is their dream job. And, and you can tell from the emotion that was pouring out of him during that press conference that this is where he wants to be. He doesn't want to be anywhere else. He wasn't just taking a head coach job, but take a head coach job. No, he, this is a, a truly a destination where he thinks he can succeed and where he wants to succeed. And when you get someone who's that invested in a team... Um, it's impossible not to root for the guy. He's unproven as a head coach. I think he has what it takes. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in a second to be a successful head coach uh, at the NFL level. But, you know, he's unproven as of right now. The team's 0-5, but it's it's you got to love him. <laughs> he's 100% authentic 100% of the time. And he's invested in the city. He's invested in the culture. He's invested in really turning this thing around and, and being – the legendary HUD coached. quite frankly, that this team needs to somehow find a way to dig ourselves out of this hole of misery. And with the right team around him, I think him and his coaching staff can truly build something special here. And again, it's their investment. And you can see it in him, you can see it in his coaches. And he and I had a really great conversation with uh, Laura's dad, Mr. Hooth uh, over the weekend, and you know, we're talking, watching some of the—I uh, think college football was on that Saturday or something like that—and uh, Mr. Hooth was uh, was a top tier, you know, head assistant coach for a um, uh, high, higher up level of men's soccer uh, for the Carpathia uh, Football Club in, in the state of Michigan. And uh, him and uh, I give uh, you know, Uncle Mike a shout out too as the head coach of that team. But you know, they had a lot of success together. And I, I talked to Mr. Huth about it. You know, I asked him, you know, why do you think you guys were as successful as you were when you were coaching together? And he he was gave some great great answer. He's like, you know, there's really a couple of reasons. Number one, they were able to set a culture and a standard uh, that they you know got people to buy into. He said that was number one. You know, they came in here and set the tone, and you know, players gravitated towards it. Uh, and a big part of that too was, you know, a second point he made was. They're, him and his his friend, you know, Uncle Mike, they're able to effectively communicate with their players. And what I mean by that is communicate expectations and what they need to do to succeed. And he gave me a great example. You know, Uncle Mike is the fiery kind of reminds me of Dan Campbell. It sounds like a fiery guy. You know, rah rah, gets everyone to play hard, run through a brick wall for him. Um, and he, you know, rip players a new one. But what Mr. Hoos would do is afterwards, you know, depending on who the person was, how they need to be talked to, go over, communicate to them and make sure, like, hey, like, this is what Uncle Mike was trying to say. You know, this is why he's really wanting to like, put you in a better position so you succeed. He was trying to say this. And being able to effectively communicate with players and get the most out of them that way is, is I mean, that's proven success no matter what level of, of coaching you're at, no matter what sport you're talking about either. And at least the third thing uh, that Mr. Huth mentioned was, you know, being able to develop their players to eventually outplay their expectations. I think this coaching staff and Dan Campbell has it in them. I think you're starting to see it, especially on the defensive end. Again, this the lack of talent on this team is evident everywhere, but they're playing hard, and they're starting to play better than maybe we thought, From a, at least from a defensive standpoint. Offensively, there are some bigger problems there, and I think it starts with the quarterback play. I think that's really the biggest thing holding this team back. Um, but again, setting that standard and culture, getting people to buy into it, being able to communicate and get the most out of their players so they ex you know, exceed expectations. You know, those are all things that Mr. Hooth talked about that I, that I believe truly Dan Campbell and the staff have. And I, that's why I say give him time. I don't know. And maybe I'm just, again, crushing on Campbell right now, but I just love what this guy's about, man. He's all in, he's a Detroiter, <laughs> he gets it. He's getting already the players that accept the culture he's trying to implement. He's, you know, truly, I think, communicating well with them seeing how much they've bought in, and he's got to let him develop this team, and again, it's going to take time with the players he has now, and he needs more talent around it, so I don't know, I, I just, it was kind of a fresh, breath of fresh air to have a coach just pour his emotions out like that, you don't see that very often, and I, I just think we're in good hands with Dan Campbell, so nothing, nothing more for me to say about that, but Excited about um, where where he's going with this team in terms of what I think he can do here. Um, man, I feel like I'm all over the place right now. But that was Minnesota game. Okay, talked about the defense getting better. Happy to continue to build off of that. Shout out to Aaron Glenn. Still 0 5. Got to find a way to win. That's definitely bad. Um, despite seeing again some promising things that we can I think build on. Um, the ugly was Goff. <laughs> he's bad. He's awful golfful, as I say, um, at some point you need to get a franchise quarterback, and you're either via the draft or you got to go trade for one, like a Deshaun Watson. Um, but all in all, like again, I, I'm still a true on Dan, B- Dan Campbell believer, and I, I love what I saw out of him in that in that press conference coming out of that week. Um, but let's talk about this week's matchup, right? Since he coming to town, you know, coming to Ford Field, 1 p.m. Eastern kickoff, so noon kickoff here in Chicago. The spread right now, according to FanDuel, is uh, Bengals minus 2.5. So Vegas expecting a pretty close game here. Uh, the over-under total was 47.5. And um, the things to watch for me, and, and let's focus on Cincinnati, the opponent, a little bit. Uh, Joe Burrow to the Jamar Chase. Whew. These two have basically picked up where they left things off together at LSU. I mean, talk about a one-two punch offensively, you know, wide receiver, quarterback duo. Um And it starts, of course, with the quarterback. I mean, Joe Burrow, when he came out of LSU, I loved loved him. I know he only had the one big year, you know, in college. But you see him play on Sundays and also that last year in LSU, he has everything you're looking for in a franchise quarterback. I mean, he has commanded the offense. He has the arm to make all the throws that are needed on the field. Uh, He also has just kind of that confident, you know, gamer mentality. Like I'm gonna come in here, I'm gonna find a way to win. Nothing's gonna rattle me. You know, let's go. Put put the game on my shoulders. He has a makeup to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league, I think, in the upcoming years. I think the team needs to be a little bit better around him for him to kind of take that, you know, next step nationally. Um, but you can see it, man. He's he's close. And I'm I'm gonna look forward to watching his career as long as he can stay healthy. Um and Jamar Chase, I mean he's he's the real deal too. Week five NFL rookie of the week, um, and everyone was talking about his drops in the preseason. And yes, <laughs> drops are alarming for any wide receiver out there. It's never a fun seeing a ball hit a guy in the hands and you know not be a completed pass. But since the beginning of the regular season, I mean, Joe Burrow has a perfect QB rating of 158.3 when targeting Jamar Chase in man coverage. That is absurd. And, and, yes, Burrow has to make those throws, but that's also a big part of that is Chase getting open and and find a way to create separation and make plays. Um, and really, at wide receiver, look at Jamar Chase's stats right now. First in the entire league when against single coverage in terms of yards, 400 to five, touchdowns, five. And pro football focus, his grade in single coverage is 93.4, which is tops in the league. Cincinnati has found something here offensively. Um, their offensive line needs needs some work. And I think that will be addressed uh, in the next draft or two. But they got talent, man. They got talent. And they're young talent too. So this is a team to watch in the next upcoming years. And also, their defense is extremely underappreciated right now. You know, for as much love as Burrow and Chase, you know, get at the national level. I mean. Currently, the Bengals' defense is 7th in points per game, 11th in yards allowed, 7th in sacks per game, and they've also forced a turnover in four of their five games. I mean, all those stats basically say they're top third defense easily in the league, very well run at least. I don't know, man. This This team is, you can see Cincinnati is on the up and up. And I know that whole division right now is, you know, Pittsburgh's been great for how long? Seems like forever. I think they're slowly trending downwards, mainly because Big Ben is just, it's time for him to call it a career. Um, Lamar Jackson, Baltimore Ravens, I know they're getting talked about, I feel like, on a weekly, you know, consistent basis, but... I think they're a little overrated. I know the record is 4-1, is and one, but I just feel like some, so many of those games could have went another way, and I just still don't not completely bought in on Baltimore yet in terms of them contending this year uh, and what they can do with Lamar. And then Cleveland is very good. I, I love the Cleveland Browns' makeup in terms of the talent on both sides of the ball. Baker Mayfield, we'll see if he's truly the answer. I think he had a great year last year. This year, he, looks, I mean, he had a good game against uh, the Chargers. But he, he, I don't know. I still am not sold on, on him. He, cause he, he, To me, he's more of a game manager than a game winner. And I feel like in the NFL, you need game winners. And I don't know if he is that guy yet for Cleveland. He could be, but he's not proven yet. Since he's that team where I think it might not be their time right now, but next year or the year after, I think this team will be the best team in their division. Especially if Taylor proves to be, you know, the coach that is the answer, because um, obviously you, every NFL team you gotta have the right coach in place as well. i you know, jury's still out on Taylor, but I like Cincinnati. I like where they're going, and and everything I just rattled off, you know, points towards Cincinnati winning this game. Um, you know, they have an opportunity to go four and two with a win over a winless Detroit Lions team. And if you're 4-2 and two versus 3-3, three and three, I mean, that's a big difference in terms of where you are in the standings and kind of where you're headed as a team in terms of momentum. So, big game for Cincinnati. Again, statistically, they should easily be favorited. But like I said, Vegas is seeing something here. That, that 2.5 spread means this game is probably going to be a lot closer than what maybe people would think if you're just looking at the stats. And I agree. <laughs> I mean... The Lions, we've been playing competitive football. We haven't had a win to show it yet. We're playing... We're playing to win games, and we're playing... Uh, I'm trying to think the best way to say this. We can compete. And we're playing at a level in which you can't just come to Detroit and expect an easy W. That That's a huge takeaway for me five, five weeks in, especially the last couple of weeks, um... The offense doesn't look good, but, but what the defense is doing is allowing us to at least have a chance to win these games. So so we're we're playing you know solid ball. We definitely have to play better, but we're playing solid. We've come close to getting a win, so we're definitely hungry for one. You know we don't feel like we definitely deserve one at some point soon. We we you know we feel like we've earned it, and also we're playing at home in front of our fans. Uh, I, whew, I said it I believe in my first episode that our first one would be against the Cincinnati Bengals, and I'm standing by that. I think we've been knocking on the door, and today we just kind of knocked the door down. Um, Detroit 27, Cincinnati 24 will be the final. Our first win in front of home fans. Dan Campbell, the team, will just kind of get the monkey off the back, uh, and I think this team will just find a way. We have been so close, so close to finding a way to win, and... I it's it's time <laughs> I mentioned last week we could easily be 0-8 going into the bye week I still think that is a possibility we will not be favored in any of these games against Cincinnati especially at LA and then Eagles we might be but I, I would doubt it um, but I don't even think it's gonna matter because I, I think it's it's time for us to get a win and we're gonna do it this week so we'll see I'm excited to watch the team play. Uh, I just feel like, again, we're we're going in the right direction. We just haven't quite found a way to play a complete game still. Um, this is the week where it, I think it's going to all click. And it'll be a battle. Even when I say it's <laughs> going to all click, it's not going to be us blowing out Cincinnati. We're going to have to fight and claw. But I think we're going to make them fight and claw as well. And then we're going to find a way to, again, in the end, just come out on top. So we'll watch. We'll see. Lions fans, hang in there with me, Um, and let's go get it done. Why not? We're we're due, right? We're due. Football gods, give us a little love. And uh, until next week, let's go Lions.